Amen. Well, uh, we are in the book of Samuel, and for uh, those of us that, uh, for all of you that are joining us, we are now in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 25. And I do want to share this, that as we go through the Bible, we find some very amazing people. And as we go through it, we, 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 we do find these amazing people, but a majority of these people that we go through are men that God uses. And as we see many of the men that God uses, many of the men here in the Bible, understand that we, we learn from them. We learn from their examples. And I want to share this with you. When we learn from them, it's, it doesn't really matter the gender that they are because what we look at is really the heart. Right? We look at their heart and we're looking at, at the things that, that we can learn from them and, and what God wants to show us through the lives of these men. And as we look at their character, we look at their attributes, we look at how they behave, how they act, the, the characters that they have. We look at all of this when it comes to the men and the women of the Bible just to learn from them. And I want to share this. We look at the choices that they make. And as we look at this, What's awesome about what we're going to go over tonight is the fact that we're going to be looking at a woman. And it's awesome for me because I want to share this with you. There are amazing women in the Bible. And I rarely get to really expound on women. Because most of the time we're looking at David, we're looking at Saul, we're looking at some of these, these others. But today we're going to look at a woman. And her name is Abigail. How many of you are familiar with Abigail? Give me a show of hands. How many of you are not familiar with Abigail? Okay, well, you're going to be familiar with Abigail today. And what's awesome about this is that, is that we're going to see how amazing this woman is. And as we look at her, remember, it's, it's, we're going to look at what's in her heart. We're going to look at who this woman is and, and, and basically how she conquers the heart of an angry and foolish king and this is what she does she conquers the heart of an angry and a foolish king and i want to share this about abigail i truly believe that abigail ranks as one of the most amazing women in the bible and i hope that you realize this after we examine abigail that you would agree with the thoughts that i have Abigail, just like Sarah, just like Rahab, just like Ruth, just like Queen Esther, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, like Mary Magdalene. These are just a few of the women that, that really fascinate me. And why is it that they fascinate me? It's because these are women of faith. These are women of courage. These are women of humility who live to do the will of God. And this is what we're going to see. We're going to see this woman, Abigail. And I can't wait to see and to meet Abigail as well as some of these other women that I mentioned when I get to heaven. As well as some of the great men of faith that we have. You know, one day we're going to see them face to face. One day we're going to see who they are. We're going to see them, how they look. You know, just the, we're going to know all about them. And this is what's so amazing about, about these people that we have here in the Bible because they were all alive. And you and I are going to be able to, to partake in, in meeting them and, and really getting to know who they are. So with that, let's go ahead and read 1 Samuel chapter 25. And, and we're going to run through it. It's a long chapter. 
And so we're going to go through this chapter, then we'll expound on the verses just to see what, what the Spirit wants to share with us, what the Lord wants us to know. And so beginning in verse 1, it says this, 1 Samuel 25. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man, talking about her husband, was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shears. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them. Nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servant and to your son, David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal. According to all these words, in the name of David, and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to the men when I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master. And he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them. When we were in the field, they were a wall to us both night and day. All the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore, know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five saves of roasted grain, one hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, 
Go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under, under cover of the hill. And there was David and his men coming down toward her. And she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also to the enemies of David. If I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, O me, my Lord, on me, I'm sorry, on me, my Lord, on me let this inequity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord. God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed, and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her what she had brought him, and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Now Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was, holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning, when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone then it happened after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died so when David heard that Nabal was dead he said 
Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to, Na- to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David. And became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel. And so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Paltai, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. You know, as we read this, this long chapter, I mean, we just see just the events that are taking place. We just see these, you know what, the, the, these characters, right? We see these these three, we're talking about Abigail, we're talking about Nabal, and we're talking about David. And we see how they all come together, and we just see these, these events that take place, and, and which really reveal just, just the heart of, of David. It also reveals the heart of Abigail, and it also reveals to us just Nabal, who Nabal was. And so let's go now verse by verse, and let's expound on these verses, and let's just see what the... Lord wants to share with us. Here in verse 1 it says, Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. You know, before we meet Abigail, the writer of 1 Samuel gives us an important update of Samuel. See, Samuel was the end of an era. See, the time of the judges had come to an end. And the era of a monarchy was at hand. See, it began, it began with King Saul. See, the judges, with the, with the death of Samuel, it ended. The judges were no more. And now we have here kings that, that will now rule over Israel. And so the first one was King Saul. But when we look at Samuel, see, we're looking at a man that held three offices in Israel. This man was an amazing man himself. We know Samuel. Samuel was a man that loved the Lord. And one thing about Samuel is that, you know what? He served these offices and he gave his heart to each office. Remember, Samuel was a judge. See, a judge is not only a, a... administered justice but they actually delivered the people from their enemies they actually served as military rulers or military generals they were there to to lead the people to fight against their enemies samuel was also a prophet and as a prophet we know one thing is that he spoke god's word to the people as well as the kings he communicated god's message to people and to kings. And one other office that Samuel had was he also held the office of a priest. What Samuel did is he taught the people the word of God. 
He made sure that the people adhere to the laws of God. And another thing that Samuel did is he also interceded on behalf of the people. He prayed for them. And now that Samuel died, the era of judges also. And then the second point that we see here in verse 1 is we see that King David, or I shouldn't say King David because he wasn't king at the time, that David arises and goes down to the wilderness of Paran. Remember where David was. David was, his, was in the wilderness of En Gedi. And En Gedi was actually next to the Dead Sea. But as I reminded all of you last week, En Gedi was an oasis. This was a, an amazing and beautiful place. We, we, we know of, of En Gedi. If you ever see pictures of En Gedi, for those of you that have never been there, if you could Google it on the internet. Anyone Google it last time? I okay, There's a few of you that Googled it after I shared it with you. And one thing of that place, you see these springs of water, you see these amazing trees and plants. It's like being in Hawaii, like in paradise. And so this is where David was, and now he leaves En Gedi, and he goes to the wilderness of Paran. And one thing about the wilderness, why he left to the wilderness of Paran is because everybody was there in Ramal. Remember, Samuel had passed away and they were having the burial, the ceremony for Samuel. And we know if David would have gone to this burial there in Ramah, then, then we know one thing is that Saul would have been there to capture him. And so what we see here is we see that David goes to the wilderness of Paran. And so you know where Paran is. It's southwest of Israel. It's going south. It's actually in the desert of Arabia by the Red Sea. And so David is on the run. He's still on the run because no matter what he knows, that King Saul wants to kill him. And so this is where he's going to meet this amazing woman named Abigail. So let's go on. Verse 2 says this. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful in appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. We're introduced to two people here. We're first introduced to Nabal. And the Bible immediately tells us, uh, tells us of his economic status. It tells us of his wealth. It says that, you know what, that he is very rich. He's not just rich, but he is very rich. And it tells us how rich he is. Today, I mean, we don't measure this by, by animals and by livestock, but other places they do measure wealth by livestock. But it tells us that, that Nabal had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and this made him very rich. And what he was doing is, as it says there, that he was shearing sheep in Carmel. And what this means is that he was taking the wool off of the sheep. And it's important for us to know one thing about, about shearing sheep. The reason they shear sheep is because, see... If you don't take the wool off the sheep, then it becomes very heavy. 
and the wool begins to drag. If they allow the wool to grow, then as sheep, they'll allow the wool to hit the floor, and the wool will get extremely dirty. And if you have so much wool on you, right, then you get very hot. And these women, these, these, uh, these sheep can actually have, have heat strokes because of all the wool that they have. So they got to take the wool off of the sheep. And we are told that Nabal was doing this. And then it tells us another thing about Nabal. It tells us about his character. In verse 3 it says that he is very harsh and he is very evil. In other words, this man behaved very harsh and evil with others. He was harsh and evil with people. Okay, so now we get an idea about Nabal, right? This is the husband. Again, he's very rich, but he's also very harsh and very evil. And then we're now introduced to Abigail. And immediately the Bible gives us insight on this woman. And let me remind you about the insight that the Bible gives us. See, when the Bible talks about a person, I want to share this with you. When the Bible shares things on people, it's revealing the truth about these people. So when the Bible says that somebody is harsh, it means that he is harsh. When the Bible says that someone is evil, that man is evil. When the Bible says that a woman is beautiful, that woman is, is beautiful. When the Bible says that she is of good understanding, that woman is extremely wise. And this is what the Bible is telling us. See, the second thing, it, or the first thing it tells us about Abigail is the fact that she was wise. Okay, so Abigail, the first thing you need to know about Abigail is she was wise. It says there that she was a woman of good understanding. When you look at the word understanding in the Hebrew, it is a word, sekel, which means wise. In the Hebrew, it is a word, sekel, which means wise. So in other words, Abigail was an extremely wise woman. And not only was she wise, the second thing we are told about Abigail is that she is beautiful. And this is an amazing combo. I want to share this with you. Because how many of us have met good-looking people? But just because they're good-looking doesn't mean that they're wise, does it? Or how many of us have met wise people, but yet they don't have the good looks? But when you have both, that's an amazing combo. And, and so when you look at this, right, we have somebody that's beautiful and wise, and then you have also somebody that's evil and wicked. So what do we have here? We have the beauty and we have the beast. The husband and the wife. And you think to yourself, right, why would such a beautiful and wise woman, why would she marry this wicked and this harsh man? You would think, right, she's so wise, why would she marry this guy? It's sort of contrary to, to who she is. Well, let me share this with you. At this time, marriages were prearranged. Okay? So it wasn't her choice. And to think, right, the parents see this, this guy who's wealthy. His parents were probably wealthy. That's probably where he got all his riches. And so the parents are saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, let's give her to this man. And they in return received money. And they in return knew that their daughter would be well taken care of. Little did they know that he would be evil, that he would be harsh. But you know what? Unfortunately, these are the things that happen. 
And so then in verse 4, let's keep reading the Bible and see what it says. It says here that when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shears. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them. Nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. David comes into the picture now. Now that we know about Abigail and we know about Nabal, we're introduced to David again. And we know that David plays a key role in these events that are to take place. And it tells us that David heard that Nabal was shearing sheep there in Carmel. And he was taking the wool off of them. And so what he wants to do is he wants to send ten men. He wants to send his men to Nabal. And his instructions that he gave to his men were, one, greet Nabal in my name. Two, extend peace to him, to his house, and to all his possessions. And three, three, let him know that we protected his shepherds and made sure that they were not harmed. Okay? And the reason why David was protecting the shepherds or protecting them was because, remember, there was the Philistines that were around, the enemies of Israel. And these enemies of Israel, they were constantly harassing the people of God. And so David would protect the men. He was protecting them from the attacks of the enemy. And he wanted Nabal to make sure that he knew this. And then the fourth thing that he tells him is, I want you, or I want you to tell, ask Nabal if he can invite us to the party. See, Nabal was about to have a party. And I want to remind you about David because David's on the run. And one thing about David, remember, he was on the run with 600 men. 600 men of valor. Remember, these were the rejects. That he trained up and he made them men of valor. And he, as he made them men of courage and men of valor, you know what? They're hungry men too, right? And as they are hungry, they would go from place to place and they would, they would just rely on the graciousness of people to feed them. They would rely on people that would give them food. And so David knew that Nabal was having a party. You know, as he spoke to the shepherds, as he had a relationship with the shepherds, and they must have told them that, you know what? Nabal's having a party. And so David says, can we come to the party? We're hungry. We want, you know, we would like to eat. And so he does it humbly, right? He, he refers to himself as the servants of Nabal, as sons of Nabal. So you see the humility of David. And so how is it that Nabal responds? Let's read here in verse 11. Or I should say verse 10. It says, Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? 
There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? Remember, Nabal, he is harsh and he is evil, right? This is the way he treated people. And I want to share this with you. Nabal showed no respect to David. Nabal actually insults David. He actually says, who's David? You know, who are you? You know, who's the son of Jesse? And he reminds them, reminds them that, you know what, we have servants today that don't follow or obey their masters. So why should I take food from my servants who have worked hard all day shearing the sheep and give their food to those who haven't worked for it? Imagine the disrespect, the insult to the future king of Israel. And let me share this about the people. They knew that King David would become king. Even Saul himself in 1 Samuel 24 verse 20. Samuel himself says, David, you are the rightful king of Israel. So the people around knew that as long as, as David was there, that he would one day be king. As long as he was alive, he would one day be king. But the one that was keeping him from being the king was King Saul. And as we look at this, right, I get a sense that Nabal was very loyal to King Saul. As he responds to David the way he responds. And as we think about this, right, he's loyal to Saul and he's not loyal to David. And so this is how the men respond to what Nabal told them. Verse 12 tells us, so David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Imagine these men. Immediately when, David, when Nabal responds to these 10 men the way he does, they turn around, and they go back to David, and they share David the response from Nabal. And so what does David do? David gets upset. David gets angry. And immediately he gathers 400 men. Think of this. He says, gird your swords. We're going to go out to battle. We're going to go take care of Nabal and his house. We're going to get even. Imagine this. I mean, we're talking about Nabal. I mean, how big was Nabal and his household? He was very rich. But to send out 400 men, think about this, right? 400 men of valor. And we know these were mighty men. These men were men of war. I mean, these men were trained in war. They were just trained by the best. And to take 400 men to take out Nabal and his household. I want to share this with you. David lost his cool. He was insulted. He was disrespected. And because of this, he says, we're taking out Nabal. Let me ask you, how do we respond? When somebody disrespects or insults us. Do we lose our cool like David loses his cool? Many of us do this, don't we? We're going to learn what, they, what, what the Lord wants us to do in these situations. 
See, David was on his way to massacre people. He was ready to kill people because he was insulted and disrespected. See, and when we get angry and when we get mad, we do the same thing in our hearts. Is this the way we're supposed to react? Is this the way we're supposed to be? Let's keep reading and find out how we should be. Verse 14 says this. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them. <clears throat> when we were with when we were in the fields, they were a wall to us both by night and day. All the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that no one cannot speak to him. Here we go. We have one of the servants. One of the servants of Nabal, right? He finds out what David's going to do. He finds out that David has 400 men. How he finds out, we really don't know. We don't know if God told him or we don't know if he heard it from somebody else. But we know one thing is that this servant knows the plans of David. And so he goes to the wife of Nabal. Imagine this. He goes to the wife of Nabal and he explains what's happening. He tells Abigail, he says, you know what? David sent messengers to greet our master, but our master insulted him. But I want to share this with you about David and his men. They were good to us. They were good to us when we were in the fields. They protected us day and night. We lost nothing because David was there protecting us. We had no harm. Everything went well. And then the servant says, Abigail, you know our master. He's a scoundrel. In the Hebrew, they translated this into scoundrel, but in the Hebrew it was, they classified him as a son of Bilal. And this means, at this time, it was a term that was used for a worthless man, a worthless fellow. And so he tells her, you know what, he's a scoundrel, he's a worthless man. This is our master. I'm sorry to say, this is your husband. And so this servant appeals to her wisdom. Okay? He appeals to her wisdom. See, we know two things about Abigail, right? We know that she was beautiful and we know that she was wise. And I want to talk about knowledge and wisdom here. See, because they are two different things. Sometimes we think that knowledge is the same as wisdom or wisdom is the same as knowledge. And as we're talking about the wisdom of Abigail, I want you to understand certain things about knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing the facts, right? That is what knowledge is. I'm going to explain to you in, simpli in simplistic terms. Knowledge is knowing the facts. Wisdom is the action taken with the facts that you know. What action are you going to take on the facts that you know? And knowledge is what? Knowing the facts. And wisdom is the action taken with the facts that you know. And so here... The servant is telling Abigail, or he's asking Abigail, okay, now you know the facts, so what are you going to do? And this is so awesome, right? Because you see here, servants going not to Nabal, but they go to the wife. 
the wife who is filled with wisdom. And they ask her, what do we do now? What do we do? And so let's look at the wisdom of Abigail here in verse 18 and see what she says and does. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five saves of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on the donkey. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she, she did not tell her husband Nabal. Look at what Abigail does immediately. She knows, right? She knows David is coming. He is angry, he is mad, and he's going to wipe everyone out. And so immediately, she says, you know what? I have the, I have the facts. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to act on what I know. And one thing that she knew was that David's men were hungry. David's men are hungry. And so what does wisdom tell you? If David's men are hungry, then what are you going to do? You're going to get food, right? And we know one thing about food. Think about it this way. You know what? As they say about food, you know, you can win a man's heart with what? With food. And so what we have here, she's, this woman is extremely wise. And basically what she's doing is, is she's going to give David what he asked for. So she gathers what? She gathers 200 loaves of bread. It says two skins of wine, five sheep, five measures of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 lumps of figs. And she loads them on the donkeys. One thing about Abigail, I want you to know this about Abigail. The third thing I want you to know about Abigail is that she was extremely hardworking. Who do you think was gathering a lot of this stuff? It was Abigail. It said Abigail took 200 loaves of bread. See, she's the one that's doing this. She's the one that's, you know what? I know there's danger. I know David's coming. We got to get all this stuff. So immediately she goes out and begins to do this. You know what's amazing about her is the fact that she is a hardworking woman. She doesn't sit back. She doesn't rest. She gets up and does things. You know, she's not dependent on anyone else, but she gets up and does things. She works with her hands and she begins to gather all these things. See, this is a woman to be admired. One that isn't just doing nothing at home. One that isn't doing just looking at TV all day long. Looking at soap operas or talk shows or novelas or whatever the case may be. But we see her working hard. And this is what you can admire about Abigail. Again, remember the qualities of Abigail. And she tells her servants to go before her. You know what? She's, and she wasn't about to tell her husband. Why? Because she knows he's a fool. She knows he's worthless. And she is doing what he should have done from the beginning. Which is to feed David and his men. Verse 20 goes on to say this. So it was as she rode on the donkey... That she went down under cover of the hill. And there was David and his men coming down toward her. And she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness. So that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. 
and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. We're told she's riding and she sees David. And what's amazing about the writer is that he gives us insight about David's heart. And what he says about David, what's going on in David's mind, in his thoughts, and in his heart, is that he is convincing himself that he is justified to kill Nabal. That's what he's doing. He's convincing himself that he is justified in his actions. And he's also convincing himself that God is on his side. Imagine that. God is on his side in wiping out Nabal and all the men and his family, all of them, to wipe them out. He's convincing himself. This is what he's doing. This is what he's doing in these verses. So let's keep reading. Verse 23. It says, Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let the inequity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. What we see Abigail doing before David is amazing, right? What you see here is a, is a woman that is not filled with pride. You see a woman that, that humbles herself. You know, humility is a great quality in people. And you see the humility of Abigail. What does she do? She immediately dismounts from the donkey. She falls on her face before the feet of David. She bows to the ground and she calls him Lord. Imagine that. She calls him Lord. And I, I think there's like over 10 times she addresses, she says the word Lord here. You know, as she addresses David as well as our Lord. In humility, this girl reeks humility even though she was beautiful and she didn't flaunt that she didn't use that but she humbles herself before david she falls to the ground and that's something to admire in abigail which was the fourth point that she was a woman of humility she was wealthy she was beautiful but yet she was still willing to humble herself and to fall before the feet of david the next point that i want to share with you it's really something that I think just epitomizes Abigail. And I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the love of Abigail. Okay, the fifth point on Abigail. The love of Abigail. See, I share that she had great love because of her actions. When you look at what Abigail is saying and doing, as we look here in verse 23 or 24 she says on me my lord on me let this inequity be you know what she was saying here she was basically telling david lord i mean david punish me don't kill nabal don't kill the men don't kill my household let the inequity be on me when you look at women when you look at men and women who risk their lives to save people, these are great men and women. These are great men and women who have qualities to admire. When they're willing to give their lives 
to save others. You know, you remember Queen Esther? Many of you are familiar with Queen Esther. Show me your hands. If you don't know who Queen Esther is, Queen Esther was just like Abigail. When Queen Esther found out that her nation, her fellow brethren, the Jewish nation was about to be wiped out, you know what she did? She risked her life for the Jewish nation. And that's what you see Abigail doing. Abigail is risking her life for her family, for her husband. You know, it's a perfect example of what Jesus did for us. You think about Jesus, right? What did Jesus do for us? He gave His life for us so that we can live. And this is what Jesus shares on people that are willing to die for others. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. John 15, 13. There is no greater love than this. And this is what you see in Abigail. This is why she is a, a woman to be admired, that is willing to give her life for others, that is willing to sacrifice herself, that is willing to take on the punishment that others deserve. I mean, this is what's so amazing about Abigail. And Abigail says, David, can I speak with you? Hear me. And this is what she says, verse 25. Please, let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Imagine, she says, she lets David know, she says, David, my husband is foolish. He should never have done what he did. And she blames herself. She begins to tell David, I take responsibility. I take responsibility because I didn't see your men arrive. In other words, if I saw your men, I would have given them food. So it's my fault. I take responsibility. And look at what else she says in verse 26. She says this, Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my lord be as nabal you know what she's saying the lord has held you back the lord is holding you back from avenging yourself with your own hands and one thing about abigail is that she was a woman that was filled with the Spirit of God. This is what's so awesome. And why do I know this? It's because, see, wisdom comes from above. It doesn't, it's nothing that we have. When it comes to the wisdom of God, it comes from Him. It's not our wisdom. But yet He imparts it upon us. And look at what she says. She says what the Scriptures tell us. Don't avenge yourself, David. Vengeance is of the Lord. Remember how I mentioned to all of you. When you get angry and upset, when you get insulted and disrespected, that anger is just like hatred and it's vengeance that you want. But yet the Word of God tells us this. It says in Romans 12 verse 19, it says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
And verse 21 of Romans 12 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is what she's telling David. Imagine that she's telling David, The Lord has come. The Lord is holding you back from avenging yourself with your own hands. And what's amazing about this is that you think about David, right? Remember King Saul wanted to wipe him out. And did David ever lift a hand against King Saul? His own enemy. King Saul declared himself to be an enemy of David. But you have here a lesser man than Saul. And this lesser man than Saul has insulted you. How many times did did Saul insult you and yet you take the insults and the disrespect of Nabal and you want to kill him, but yet you didn't raise a hand against King Saul? See, with David, understand this. David was always inquiring of the Lord when it came to his enemies. But here with this one, With Nabal, he never asked the Lord what he was supposed to do. You never see David praying and asking the Lord, Lord, this man, he's insulting me, he's disrespecting me. What do you want me to do? See, David was always asking the Lord. You have in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2. Asking the Lord, when do you want me to attack the enemy? But in this case, he wasn't asking of the Lord. He wasn't asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with Nabal? But God in His mercy sends Abigail to remind David that vengeance is God. It's not yours. See, for many of us, you know what, as we think about David, David was a man that was after God's heart, wasn't he? This is what he's tagged. This is what the Lord tagged him. A man that is after my heart. He was a great man. David was an amazing man. And we know that. And he was called the greatest king of Israel. But yet, even in his greatness, he fell. This is what he was doing. He was falling here. See, I want you to understand that the devil brings temptation to us when we least expect it. See, this is why in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, be alert. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy of our soul wants to disqualify you. He wants to discredit you. He wants to make you fail. He wants to make you fall. See, he did this with Jesus. Remember, after Jesus fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, at his weakest point, he tempted Jesus. And at the end of this temptation in Luke chapter 4 verse 13, It says this, uh, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Dave, I mean, the devil himself is always looking for an opportune time. When you least expect it, when you think that you're, you know what, uh, you're doing well. Just like David, when he didn't kill King Saul, when he was able to to wipe him out. He didn't lift a finger against him. And yet, at this time, we see how he's falling. We see how he's, you know what, listening to this temptation to wipe out Nabal just because of an insult. As we keep reading in verse 27, it says this, And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord 
Let it be given to the young men whom follow the, who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. Because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. And evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall not be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you. And has appointed you ruler over Israel that this will be no grief to you nor offense of heart to my Lord. Either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. What we read here is what Abigail does. Abigail reminds David, you know what, I have this food for you. And she gives him the food or she she tells him, here's the food. But then she begins to reveal amazing truths to David. And she begins to tell David these things and I'm going to summarize them. The Lord will make your house an everlasting one. The Lord is the one that fights your battles, David. Remember this, David. You are not evil, but you are righteous because the Lord has made you righteous. Remember this, David. The one who pursues you, the Lord will sling out from the pocket of a sling. And you shall be king one day of Israel. Amazing insight that Abigail has. And she begins to present this insight to David. And imagine David. David is cut to the heart here. David is really like thinking, man, look at this woman. She, she's just sharing these things that are cutting up my heart. And I guarantee you this. David was reminded of the battle against Goliath. When she said that the Lord will sling out your enemies from his sling. To think, David reminded of his battles against the enemies and the victory that he had over Goliath as he slung the stone and God directed that stone to hit the forehead of Goliath. Reminding David that, you know what? I take care of your enemies. Just like ours, people that come against us. Guess what? The Lord takes care of them. We're not to take vengeance upon our own hands. We're not to seek to, you know what, to come against Him. To start having negative talk against Him. To start raising our voices against Him. To start fighting against Him. You know, this anger that stirs up in us, it's not of the Lord. This is of the enemy. And this is what David was reminded of. That you know what, that your enemies, God will take care of them. And verse 31 said this, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord. Either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. She tells him, basically, you're going to regret this one day. When you are king of Israel, you will regret shedding the blood of Nabal and his family and avenging yourself. Because you didn't allow the Lord to do it for you. And then this is David's response. Verse 32. Then David said to Abigail. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. Who sent you this day to meet me. 
And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed. And from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed as the Lord God of Israel lives. Who has kept me back from hurting you. Unless you had hurried and come to meet me. Surely by, night, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David is basically saying. You know what? You were sent of the Lord. You were sent by God to speak to me. And you gave me wise counsel. David was acknowledging the wisdom of Abigail. And he was admitting to his foolish accent or actions. He was falling right into the trap of the enemy. David realized he was wrong. And one thing about David is he was the first to admit it. You know, one thing about David, and this is one thing that we all must learn. One thing about David, even though the man was a great man, and why he was great too was because whenever he realized that he sinned, he was the first to admit it. He was the first to drop to his knees and to ask God to forgive him. This is what we can admire about David, is that he was a man after God's heart. When he failed, he was on his knees. When we fail, are we on our knees? Are we so quick to admit that we're wrong? When people come to us and say, you know what, you're doing this. Are we quick to say, you know what, you're right, I'm wrong. I'm sorry about it. Or do we keep arguing and keep justifying ourselves and keep making our point to stress how right we are when we are so wrong? This is what a quality that we see in David and the quality that we see here. It didn't matter who told him. Remember, he knows that he's about to be king. And yet, he's, admi- he's admitting to the wisdom of this woman. This is what's so awesome. This is what we can see. And believe me, whenever you hear wise counsel, be the first to admit it. Be the first to accept it. You know what? When we think, sometimes we think to ourselves, oh, you know what? As we look at some women, right? We say, oh, you know what? This woman or my wife. She doesn't have wisdom. You know what? I'm not going to listen to her. All she does is nag me or, or she's on me all the time, right? Or she says this and she says that. But I want you to know one thing. That if your wife has wisdom, always go to your wife. When it comes to things that you're unsure of. You know what? Many times I go to my wife and I ask her, What do you think, Nancy? What do you think about this? And I'm seeking her counsel because I I know that she gives me wise counsel. I know that I can depend on her. You know, let us learn. Let us not think that we are so prideful that we know everything. But let us be like David, acknowledging when there is wisdom from above. And as we keep reading here in verse 35, it says, So David received from her hand what she had brought him. And said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. He basically tells her, I take, you know what? Yes, I'll take your food. Go back to your husband. I took your advice. I respect what you have to say. And then verse 36 says this. Now Abigail went to Nabal. And there he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him. For he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became like a stone. Then it happened after about ten days that the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. We're told here that Nabal's having a feast, and he's drunk out of his mind. 
And so Abigail, you know, the, the wise woman that she is, she decides to say, you know what, I'm not going to tell him anything while he's in his drunken stupor. I'm going to wait till morning when he sobers up. And she waits till the morning, and guess what? When she tells him, Nabal has a heart attack. And ten days later, the Lord takes his breath. Imagine this. Why would Nabal have a heart attack? A couple of reasons. I want to share this with you. One is that he was fearful of David. Or two is that, her, that his wife sided with David. Which now made him an enemy of Saul. Whatever it was, we don't know. But one thing we know is that he had a heart attack. And he died ten days later. And then this is the response of David when he hears of this. Verse 39 says, So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. Imagine this. David realizes you know what he says? You know what? Abigail, she prevented me from taking the life of this man that would have been on my hands. David decided, I mean, God decided to, to take care of Nabal. And he realizes that, you know what? This woman, this Abigail woman, man, she's a good woman. And I don't want to lose this woman, right? She's now a widow. And so what does he do? You know what? As it says there. That he wants to propose to her and take her as his wife. And verse 40 says this. And when the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey attended by five of her maidens. And she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. Imagine. Imagine this. This is amazing, right? To know that, you know what, that Abigail suffered all of her life with this foolish man. This evil man. This wretched man. And one thing that Abigail realizes is she also knows a good thing, right? When David proposes to her, right, and he sends a man to her. She agrees to it. And imagine this. She even agrees to wash the feet of her servants. She knows the life that she was in. She knows the life that she lived with this foolish man. With this evil man. With this scoundrel. And now she realizes that, you know what? David has asked me to be his wife. I want to remind you of something. This woman was extremely wealthy. She had maidens, as it says there, five maidens went with her to become the wife of David. As we think about this, right? As David marries her, and he didn't marry her because of the possessions. He married her because he knew that she was a good woman. He knew that she was wise. He knew that she was a woman that had the Spirit of God living within her. She knew, he knew that she was a woman full of love that was willing to give her life for her own. And he says, I want this woman as my wife. I want to share this with you. Abigail is a reflection of the Proverbs 31 woman. 
just like Ruth. And I truly believe that Ruth is the Proverbs 31 woman. But when you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, Abigail has many of the same qualities. I'm going to read them to you, and I'm going to go through them quickly because we're running out of time. Verse 10, uh, beginning in verse 10 of Proverbs 31 says this, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is above rubies. This is what David realized about her. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands, just like Abigail. She is like the merchant of ships. She brings her food from afar, just like she does. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. For from her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, just like Abigail, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. This woman was a woman of God. And David knew, and David says, I want this woman. And now that she was a widow, he was able to take her. And let's finish what it says here. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Paltai, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. We are told that David had another wife, and Michael, who was his first wife, the daughter of King Saul, she was given to another man named Palti. But I want to finish this beautiful story with this. I want you to know this. As we see here just pictures of a beautiful marriage. I want you to know this, that Abigail is a picture of us. Abigail is a picture of you and I. And David always is a type of Christ. See, Abigail lived with sorrow and pain all of her days when she was married to Nabal. Life was hard for her. It wasn't easy to know that she was with this man. Just like us, right? The misery and the pain that we live, that we live through, the the heartaches of this world, the sorrow and the tears that we experience here. But yet you have David that says, you know what, I'm going to take you out of all that. Just like the Lord that wants to take us out. See, you and I are his bride. Are we willing to accept him as our husband? And that's what I'm going to give you now, an opportunity to do. I'm going to give you all an opportunity for those of you that want to receive all that God has for you. To receive the riches and the blessings from God. 
The Lord is our bride, our, our bridegroom, and we are his bride. And I'm going to give you an opportunity now to say yes, to be married with him and to experience the goodness of God and the blessings that come from him. And with that, let us close our eyes, bow our heads, and I'm going to give you all an opportunity to surrender yourselves to Jesus Christ and to experience the goodness that he has for you. If there is anybody here that wants to say yes, that wants to say yes to Jesus Christ, to say yes, I want to be married to you. I want to give you my life. I want to surrender my life. I'm tired of the life that I've been living. I'm tired of the pain and the sorrow. And I want this abundant life, this life of peace, this life of comfort, this life of blessings, this life of provision, of protection, of grace and mercy and kindness. I want it all. And if this is you, I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we will pray for you. If you want Jesus Christ, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting Jesus here, raise your hand and we will pray. Anybody. God wants to be married to you. The Lord wants to be married to you. As you think about the things that I've been sharing, is the Lord calling you out? Are you married to other things that are destroying you? Do you have other idols, other priorities before Him? The Lord is saying, I want to be your all, your everything. And if you want to make the Lord your God, your Savior, your Lord. I'm going to give you this opportunity to raise your hand now. Anybody wanting to do this? Is He calling you out? Is He calling anyone out? Is this you? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for just the many lessons that you gave us. We thank you for the insight that you gave us. We thank you for showing us this amazing woman, Abigail. And I pray that as we reflect on what you showed us today, that we would meditate on those things that struck us most. Those things that are written on our hearts and that we would live them out to bring you glory and to bring you honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.